Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to this week's edition of the Lashing Out Podcast and the Nitty Sports Now Podcast Network. He's Kevin Quigley. I'm Jared Perea. Kevin, we're doing some research for the podcast, and we looked at the Super Bowl box score, and there's a, a Penn Stater that played in the game, but um, I can't really find them anywhere. Yeah, Miles Sanders, in case you uh, are new to the program or new to Penn State football, Miles Sanders, the guy we're referencing. Yeah, um, unfortunately, he had a rough first carry of the game, and I didn't see him on the field very much afterwards. Um, first carry of the game, he bounced it out right. I believe that was the wide side of the field at the time and fumbled the ball. He got about two yards on the carry, got tackled and fumbled the ball backwards out of bounds. And I think the second play of the game was a second 11. And after that, Nick Sirianni said, ride the bench. We got Gainwell. Yeah. And I mean, he finished with seven carries, 16 yards for a 2.3 clip. But I mean, it, it could have been catastrophic because he caught a pass, dropped it, caught, crushed simultaneously, fumbled. It could have been a scoop and score. Luckily for the Eagles, it wasn't, although that would have ended the game a lot sooner and a lot less dramatically than it actually ended. But it's tough for Sanders because he had one heck of a year. And, you know, you obviously want to see him have success in the biggest stage, and that's nothing new to Penn State running backs. Guys like the late Franco Harris uh, come to mind. But it's just unfortunate that, you know, on the biggest stage, they aborted the run game. And and listen, Jalen Hurts played very, very well. Um, But Again, you you kind of have to you, you feel for him, and, and but the good news is he made it to the Super Bowl. Uh, you hope that is it that happens again. Um, but also, you know, it's a contract year. Uh, he's this is his best year. Clearly, uh, he was able to stay healthy. But what's next for Miles Sanders? You, it, it's kind of up in the air right now. Yeah, it's really unfortunate. Eighth in the league in carries, fifth in the league in yards with 1,269, eighth in the league in touchdowns. Like, guy had an absolute stellar career. And he, like you said, he got seven carries in the Super Bowl. So, yeah, I'm I'm excited to see what his next contract's going to look like. Um, a lot, there's a few teams out there still willing to pay a second contract for a running back. And, you know, we can get into that uh, if we are more of an NFL show potentially. But, you know, Saquon Barkley has a contract coming up, right? Miles Sanders got a contract coming up, and it's just going to be interesting to see how those shape out. Zeke, your guy, he, his second contract, it's not looking too good because Tony Pollard's coming in. And I just think, you know, for, first contract running backs in the NFL, like that's the ultimate home run. I mean, guys like Pache- Isaiah Pacheco, seventh-round pick out of Rutgers, Penn State, beat him what three or four times that they played him in his career um came in as the start of the super bowl so it's it's gonna be interesting to see i think we might start seeing that little switch of where running backs aren't getting a second contract or you know they're not hitting the 13 14 15 million dollars like Le'Veon bell was looking for a few years ago um will they stay at their same team james connor just you know he went out to arizona because pittsburgh's like we'll find a rookie because it seems to be that's the key. I mean, just think Travis Etienne's on his first contract. Kind of his rookie year. He had the Liz Frank last year. James Robinson on the same team last year was a rookie. He lit the whole he lit the world on fire. So Brees Hall was a running was a rookie this year for the Jets. Like young guys are coming in and being successful. So why am I gonna pay a guy 14, 15 million dollars a year to stay 
on my current squad if I could probably get that same guy in the draft. Well, and that's what's tough. I mean, it, you pay your you pay a running back, and it's a dangerous situation to hire. And I and I'm not sure the Cowboys regret signing Zeke the way that they did because at the time it looked smart. But man, the wear and tear that are on that, that goes on with running backs makes them a dime a dozen. And if you can get one for cheap and on a rookie deal, that's great. But yeah, I don't think that this next wave of contracts for running backs, and that includes Saquon Barkley, is going to be as big as what it what it has been because it's just not worth it. You're not getting the value of of the contract. You know, I'm reminded of, of a baseball contract. You look look at Alex Rodriguez, just. Uh, 10, 275. 10 for 275. Right. So like 10 years or 20 years ago now, Jesus, I think it was 2003. Um, you know, oh, when he was traded to the Yankees and signed that major deal and, and how at that tail end of that contract, it just, it ends up not being worth it. And it's like that all the time in baseball, you see it, you know, guys like Pujols that signed those big time contracts. Uh, and, and granted, the wear and tear in baseball, and it, it's kind of comparing apples to oranges on the field. But at the same time, it's a dangerous game when you have to or attempt to um, extend guys that it, it, it's a wild card. Yeah, and I think also, not really a running back thing anymore, but I, we might start seeing really a branch off of either either a branch off of quarterback contracts in the NFL. Or where like guys just aren't going to get forty million dollars. Like Lamar's struggling to get his deal. Um, Kyler just got his deal. He got hurt. Deshaun Watson. We can talk about how bad that contract's going to be um, at the end of its five-year term. So it, we're kind of at a crossroads with the NFL contracts, and I think running backs are really going to be the first ones to fall. And that's what 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 makes it crazy. And Penn State's got two great running backs in the NFL with Miles Sanders and Saquon Barkley. But let's pivot back to you know the off season and and that in those teams now because you know, Penn State's got two great running backs on campus now with uh, Nicholas Singleton and Katron Allen, but they're going through winter workouts and you know we're going to talk a little bit more about that here in the second segment. But but man, it, it's about that time you know that spring ball is just around the corner. Yeah, I can't wait this winter. I mean, you and I know we're struggling to find content week in and week out. Uh, we need some football content. Luckily, winter workouts are giving us a little bit. But, man, I can't wait for spring ball, you know, road tripping up for the spring game here in April. So Penn State football is just around the corner for the spring. And I think we're under seven months for it to kick off in the fall. And you know what? With that said, we're going to go right into the break. And then we're going to talk a little bit more about spring ball when we come back on the now Network. Welcome back to the second segment of the Lashing Out Podcast on the Esports Now Network. He's Kevin. I'm Jared. Spring ball is great. Winter workouts are just as good, if not better. You see these guys lugging around all kinds of workouts, waking up at six or earlier than 6 a.m. on the field at six uh, and putting in, putting in some good work. And, you know, you see it blowing up social media and it's a fun thing to see it. You got to love spring football. You do. And Jared, if you'll give me the moment, I tried to tell him, I tried to tell him a couple weeks ago, the star of winter of winter workouts so far, the three time reigning competitor of the day, 
Khalil Dinkins is actually absolutely impressing coaches left and right. We try to warn him. I I love the competitor of the day. It's just that opportunity for the coach to highlight that one guy who's like, man, he had a great day of practice. We all work out. We all go to the gym, go to work, whatever. Some days we kill it at work. Some days we don't. Some days we kill it at the gym. Some days we don't. And it's this opportunity for the coach to say, you know, that guy, he killed it. He killed it at the workout today. And I think it's kind of cool to get, you know, a little internal competition. Like, man, I'm going to work harder than Khalil tomorrow. Or Theo Johnson and Tyler Warren and um, who's the freshman tight end that came in. That's pretty bad that I don't know the name. Um, He's from Virginia. I should know it. Uh, You know, are they going to start competing? Be like, man, he's got it three days. He's got it three workouts in a row. Am I going to, can I get it today? Like, what do I have to do to outwork this guy? I like the internal competition. Yeah, I mean, that's one of the pillars of Penn State football, right? Compete in everything that you do. And I think that's one of the cool things about spring practices is you see those competitions. And, you know, next week we're going to talk about position battles. Um, and I think that's going to be uh, really interesting. But, but yeah, I mean, you get to see these guys out in the field. You get to see them working out. Clearly, they don't have pads on. Um, but this is, these types of workouts are where, you know, champions are made. And, you know, it, Penn State has always had success. Uh, in its strength program and its weight program, uh, you know, under Dwight Gall, now under Chuck Losey. So it, it's one of those situations where, all right, now you're going to see guys like Abdul Carter take that next step. Guys like Curtis Jacobs take that next step because of the workouts that they're putting in now. And, man, I'm excited to see those guys on the field, not only now, but in the fall, too. And, you know, we're getting to, we're we're getting those tweets. We're we're seeing it. it it's you know, and it, it's hard to not buy into the hype right now if you're a Penn State fan because you've got a lot of promise at a lot of different positions. You do, and I think some other promise, and we'll go back to just the competitors of the day real quick. There's a lot of familiar names. You got Trey Wallace. Um, you got Caden Wallace, Adisa Isaac. But there's some new guys on that list. Storm Duck just transferred in competitor of the day, first day of workouts. Malik McLean, competitor of the day, the first first day of workouts for the wide receivers. And then you have some guys like Zariah Fisher. He played in two games last year, didn't record any recordable stats. Cam Miller, he's a he's a sophomore. He's going into a sophomore season. He played 11 games last year, so involved, but not really five tackles, three solo. And then you have K.J. Winston, sophomore, played 12 games last year, 16 tackles, 11 solo at the safety position. So you're getting these guys like, hey, Jair Brown just left. We got a guy. We need we need someone to step up at safety. K.J. Winston, he's done it twice, been the competitor of the day. So I really like that it's not just the same guys. It's not the stars. It's it's guys that are fighting for that position battle. Right. And those are the ones that you'd love to see it because – you don't really know a lot about them. You don't really know a lot about Khalil Dinkins. You don't know a lot about a lot of these guys. And I think that's the cool thing too, is that they're posting that you're, and that's every program all over the country. I mean, these, and you kind of, everybody loves the attention, right? Everybody thinks that that's important, knows it's important. Um, Cause what if those guys like Khalil Dinkins, right? He's a tight end. That's a loaded room. Um, this attention that he's getting might help him stay there another year depending on how the situation works out later with guys going to the pros um, or what have you. And I think that's always something you got to keep in the back of your mind um, as well. Now, just because of the landscape of college football, it's, 
it's a, it's the wild wild west if you leave a program and I and I'm not sure that it's there are going to be very many more that that leave maybe some after spring ball wraps up and they're not happy with their playing time or how that went but you know you got to kind of be cognizant of that now which is unfortunate um but this is a good thing to see guys that that are going under the radar that that you don't always expect uh and it and it you know it, it's just it's just one step closer to football and I think that's really now that we're a couple of days away from, you know, the Super Bowl happening and ending, that void needs to be taken up. And, and spring football does that for right now. Yeah, I'm, I'm certainly gobbling it up. And when I can is just constantly scrolling Twitter, constantly scrolling at esportsnow.com. If you don't read there, go check it out. Uh, just nice for the shameless plug, Kevin. I'm proud of you. Hey, I do what I can to support the brand. Um you know, I'm just constantly searching for football information now. Like, there's a massive void in my life. You know, we might get some USFL action. Uh, you know, a couple of Penn Staters, former Penn Staters are going to be in that league as well. So, yeah, like, there's a void in American culture now of football since the Super Bowl ended. And college in the NCAA's workout program schedule has kicked in just in time. Yeah, and listen, baseball's on its way now. I think that's the beauty of you know, Valentine's Day, every, when Valentine's Day comes around, it's romantic because baseball's romantic. And I think that's, you know, it's one of those games now that baseball's around. But yeah, you're right. Football, there's a big void there. And the combine is coming up. The draft is coming up. In the NFL, there are a lot of Penn State guys heading to the combine, which I think is exciting. They're going to test well. Uh, how's that going to impact them? But, you know, it, it it's funny you, you don't really think about the combine until after the, the NFL season's over, but Penn State has a lot to be excited for there, too. Yeah, you have guys who are just going to be – who I mean, they've been working out since probably the end of the Rose Bowl, gearing up for that combine. It's, what, first weekend of April, usually, somewhere in their time frame. So, you know, a month and a half, if, if it is that. We're recording on February 15th. So uh, about a month and a half left, and those guys – and they're going to have their private workouts on campus. So those guys are really gearing up for the draft. Like we'll think about it probably in a week or two, but those guys, they've been in it for six, eight weeks at this point now. Yeah. And I mean, and I think Jair Brown is one that's going to test well Parker Washington. Um, and, and, and that's going to be, I mean, these pro pro days is going to matter too. So, I mean, that's, that's another thing. And Penn state, again, they, they typically test well. And when that happens, I mean, good. It, it adds up. And for for the Nittany Lions, I mean, you look at the guys that are going to the pro to, to the Cowboy, Joey Porter Jr., um, PJ Mustafer, Juice Scrubs, um, like I mentioned, Jair Brown and Parker Washington, Brenton Strange is is off to the to the league, and Mitchell Tinsley. So I mean, I would expect you know. Parker Washington and Mitchell Tinsley to to really demonstrate their ball skills, their hands, and, and their speed. And I'm excited to see how Joey Porter Jr. tests. I mean, this is a guy that his season was ended really because of appendicitis. Um, but it's a guy that that I'm excited to see, mainly because this is a dude that could be a first uh, a top 15 pick, uh, depending on how he tests. Yeah, and it's gonna be it's gonna be key. I mean, I feel like scouts go crazy over combine numbers. Um, I think that's kind of why you're starting to see a big trend of people not running the 40, especially quarterbacks. You know, they're not throwing at the combine. They don't want to throw to receivers. They don't know whatnot. 
Um, but yeah, this this cornerback draft is deep. I mean, he's got Clark Phillips third, who they should have who they should have dueled in the Rose Bowl this year. Um, you know, he's projected to be a late round pick and he was an he was an all American. So uh that's gonna be interesting to see how that develops. And you know, I hope you can only hope that those that those players are gonna go to a team that suits them the best. But I I think the big storyline leading into the combine is, you know, how healthy is Parker Washington? You know, he missed the last couple of games of the year, obviously missed the Rose Bowl. I just hope that he's healthy. Or no, he didn't miss the last couple of games of the season. He missed the Rose Bowl. Um, I just hope that he's healthy enough to test at the combine. He's healthy enough to test at his pro day because it's a guy that's leaving early. He's going through the process and, you know, he's kind of written a check and it's like, man, I hope he's a day. He's probably a day two guy, maybe early day three. But, you know, if he's healthy, if he's not healthy, does he fall to the fifth or sixth round? Yeah, and then he becomes a great value pick. Um, and, and, you know, talking about guys that, that could end up in a great situation, look at a guy like last year, Jaquan Brisker, um, goes to the Bears, ends up being one of their top players on defense for the Bears. Now, the Bears aren't the greatest team in the NFL, not by, by any means, but they're a good young team. that He found his way into the starting lineup early, and and here we are. But, but yeah, it'll be interesting to see, you know, what, what players, uh, what events players participate in, um, do they bench? Do they shuttle? Do they 40? Do they do this? Do they do that? And then what they do at pro day because pro day matters too. And I think that's a, that's a great opportunity for these guys to really showcase what, what made them special at Penn state and, and what could make them special in the league. But we are wrapping it up for this second segment. We're going to talk a little bit more about Penn state football and what's going on around Penn State Athletics when we come back for the third and final segment of the Lashing Out Podcast on the Sports Now Network. Welcome back to the third and final segment of the Lashing Out Podcast on the Sports Now Network. He's Kevin. I'm Jared. And Kevin... It is Jalen Pickett's world on the hardwood. We're just kind of living in it right now as Penn State basketball got back on the winning track against uh, Illinois the other night. Yeah, unfortunately, it seems like, you know, they lost four straight. They have a few games left in the season. Um, Unfortunately, I think it's going to be too little too late for the tournament hopes. But I think the worst tragedy of this is Jalen Pickett scored his 2,000th point, scored 41 the other night. But he's a transfer from Siena. We only get to see two years of Jalen Pickett. Imagine if this guy had been here all four years. Yeah, I mean he's a special, he's a special, special player. He's been there a while. Uh he's been a, a widely veteran. Two thousand points is nothing to scoff at. But forty one points is is amazing because that hasn't been done since nineteen sixty one. Um and that and that to me it, it you know, I've been following Penn State basketball for as long as I can remember, but there have been a, a, a couple in the 30s, but to get 41 points, I mean, that's a special occasion, no matter what program you play for. But to do it in a place that it, ha- it hasn't been done since 1961 on a night where you notch your 2000th career point uh, is a special occasion. Yeah, and he scored, I'm looking at his Wikipedia page right now just because uh, he scored 40, 
46 back at Siena. So he's a guy that's really capable of scoring a lot. And uh, I'm glad to see that he finally put it together on the big stage uh, in big-time college basketball in the Big Ten. Yeah, I mean, he's averaging 18.1 points a game, uh, which is which is spectacular. But the issue with Penn State basketballs are just so re- so inconsistent right now because there are some glimmers and, and glimpses of some really good basketball, like tournament-level basketball. And then there are glimpses of, oh, here we go again, Penn State basketball. But, you know, I, I give kudos to, to Michael Shrewsbury and the reason why is that he's got them knocking on the doorstep of the NCAA tournament just in year two. He had them knocking on the doorstep last year, but this year they're they're now it's it's like it's an expectation now, uh, and that's not something that you know that has happened for Penn State uh, for basketball in quite some time. That when Pat Chambers left, he had you know a lot going for him, and that that team in 2020 could I. I honestly thought they could have made a run in the NCAA tournament, you know, with Lamar Stevens and and guys like that. But, you know, ultimately COVID happened and, and that thwarted all those plans. But for, for Michael Shrewsbury to put this patchwork roster together last year, build the program back up uh, for this year, you know, on the heels of, of Jalen Pickett and guys like Seth Lundy and, and Andrew Funk going out and getting him in the portal, you know, that's a, that's a big time thing for Shrewsbury and that's why he's getting linked to jobs at Notre Dame and, and elsewhere throughout the country but but you gotta I, I give him I give him very big kudos for that in itself but we have to kind of be patient with Penn State because again it's only year two under Shrewsbury so he doesn't even have a full roster of his guys yet where he's recruited them all to, now he's recruited them all to stay at Penn State um, especially guys like Pickett who could have lost who could have left um, but Again, you're getting a great opportunity. Um, and Penn State basketball, I think if Shrewsbury's for real and, and stays, Penn State basketball, I think, could could be a perennial tournament team uh, if things go their way. Yeah, and I, I texted you this a few weeks ago uh, when they were playing Purdue. It's this the Shrewsbury, the Shrewsbury style. It's just very stagnant. I mean, that's what modern college basketball is, is I guess what a lot of modern basketball is going to is really just really stretched out. Everything's on the perimeter, but the offense is just goes stale and stagnant. And if they can't hit shots, then they're just not going to win any games. There was against Purdue all night long. Granted they're facing seven foot four Zach Eady, and they don't have anybody what over six, nine, six, eight, six, nine on the roster. So good luck defending that. But four guys behind the arc, two guys on the wings, two guys in the corner, and then one guy down in the post down low. Like just not indicative of it, and we kind of see where that hurts Penn State against lesser opponents that aren't the number one team in the country. Maryland, they lo- they lost seventy four sixty eight. They outshot Maryland by six, but Maryland had a nineteen free throw advantage on the line, twenty three to four free throw th- attempts. Nebraska, a game that they easily should have won. Granted, it was in Lincoln. They lose by nine seventy two sixty three. Again, Penn State only has four free throw attempts. Nebraska has 18 lose by nine, get out free throw by 14. And they shot, they shot nine more field goals or attempted nine more field goals in that time during the game. So it's like, man, if they, they, they're just living and dying by the three. And unfortunately it seems like they're dying a lot more than they're living with that three ball. Yeah. And that's the, that's the kind of risk you take. You know, I, I coach high school basketball uh, in Altoona. Our girls are playing for the mid pen championship Thursday in Cumberland Valley. Uh, Shrewsbury State College High 
Um, Shrewsbury Sun for State High is playing um, after us uh, Thursday night. But but you're right. When you live and die by the three, it's a dangerous, dangerous game uh, because you're it's 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 very much feast or famine, uh, and and it's famine at the worst time uh, for Penn State. But you know that's kind of the way the roster had to be made up. They don't have a lot of size, so they got a lot of guards, a lot of swing players. So it's just kind of mixing and matching and, and hoping for the best. And they're competing with the best of them in the Big Ten. And I think that that speaks volumes to the to the level of fight these guys have for Shrewsbury. Um, and guys did that for Chambers, too. You know, it's unfortunate the circumstances that led to his dismissal at Penn State. But at the same time, man, he came in, or Shrewsbury came in, um, re-recruited guys to the program, and, and they're doing a, a phenomenal job. And, you know... Now people want to go to the BJC to the Bryce Jordan Center to watch Penn State basketball and not just, you know, those two those that meet or two where Kale Sanderson's taking the Penn State wrestling team, you know, to the Bryce Jordan Center and, and packing the house like it's a Carrie Underwood concert. Yeah, and unfor- the, the, the roots are there. You just got to get them to sprout. I think, you know, another year or two, Michael Shrewsbury is leading that team to the NCAA tournament, but wow, this year's uh, team is rather famished for the NCAA. We could talk about somebody who's feasting right now. And that is Sean Clifford and Liam Clifford. Uh, They just sold limitless NIL to team holdings. Uh, Team holdings is more of an NFL representing players for endorsement sponsorships, that kind of deal. And Sean and Liam limit team holdings, trying to get into the college game limitless, obviously NIL in the college game, trying to, you know, it's more of a combination of resources. They say that both companies are going to stay separated, but they get to pull the resources more. You know, I'm sure team holdings has a significantly more contacts through just time, um, getting players deals. So it seems like a really good move for limitless NIL. And it seems like it's going to secure Sean Clifford's future. Uh, should there not be one in the NFL? Yeah, and I think that's you know that's huge. And we talk about the student athlete all the time. Like Clifford's a fringe NFL guy, in my opinion. So that's I think scary uh, at times. It, but at the end of the day, he's a savvy businessman, and he's shown that you know in the 16 years that he was at Penn State. So yeah, it it is interesting that this NIL thing is you know is a is a big deal, and it's it's a part of conversations. With every recruit, with every visitor now that at, at Penn State and, and beyond, this is this isn't just a Penn State thing. This is a countrywide thing, and I think that's you know at those bigger universities, they're spending 30, 45 minutes per visit um, on it because it it matters that much. Uh, it is you know for what it's worth, it's it's a, a set it's a system that I think it, at this point is broken because I don't think it's in, being used the way that it's been intended, but. It's just something that's not going anywhere anytime soon, and you just kind of embrace it. And luckily, Sean Clifford's been able to to work on that and, and make it even better. Yeah, it looks like I'm just pulling up athletes lim- uh, currently signed to Limitless. Got some guys from uh, Robin Benton from Kentucky women's basketball, but a lot of Big Ten talent, Indiana, Illinois. Uh, got a couple UMass lacrosse players, basketball for Iona. So, yeah, Limitless, I mean, there's a lot of Penn State athletes here, but uh, Sean Clifford's brand is expanding. I mean, Zach Harrison from Ohio State's on there. So he's he knows no bounds with Limitless NIL. He seems like he's just there to help people 
better themselves, better their brand. And uh, I'm happy for him, even if the NFL, I'm obviously I'd be much happier for him or excuse me, not necessarily much happier, but be happy if he's successful in the, in the NFL, but obviously he's gearing up really well to be successful off the field. Right. And that's the, you know, that's one of those situations where you just hope for the best and, and and see what happens for him. I think he's got a very bright future, whether that's on the field or he's definitely got it off the field. So, you know, it's always good to have your hand and and multiple sources of revenue and, and, and good for him, good for Sean Clifford. And, and hopefully it all works out for him down the road, but we've talked endlessly about Sean Clifford. We've talked about guys, speaking of guys that's been at Penn State for a while, Kale Sanderson. We talked about briefly about wrestling. They, they are big 10 champions again. Uh, and it's, it's it's tournament wrestling time season, so you know, uh, you got Big Ten's uh, individual champions com- championships coming up soon. You've got NCAA's coming up soon, and there's nothing quite like watching Penn State wrestling this time of year. No, and I do. For all the listeners who think I don't listen to watch wrestling, I don't watch all year long, but I do make an effort to watch the NCAA's and just watch Penn State mop the floor with people. Going for what eighth national championship this year. Looks like they are well poised to get that done. So I'm excited for quote unquote playoff wrestling and we're getting into that season two. But for now, it's over for us. It's time to stay so long for Kevin quickly. This has been Jared Prugar. We'll talk to you again next week on the Lashing Out podcast and the Sports Now Network. We thank you as always for listening.